Hello and welcome to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. In this episode, I hopefully am going to do the episode on the Bar Airman interview from Issues Etc., as well as the book um, that I really wished I would have done the first time. I was certainly reactive to that interview. It really threw me for a loop a bit, and I just kind of launched off. And hopefully we're going to hone it in here, wrap it up, and talk about it in a way that uh, is sensible to everybody, including myself. So we'll give it a shot here and see how it goes. Let's give out the thanks and we'll get started. First of all, thanks to Cody F. Miller for the use of his piece, Balaam, uh, that serves as the artwork for the podcast. Also, thank you to Michael Onquist and Five Iron Frenzy for the use of their team, my evil plan to save the world. And thanks, as always, to my ministry coach of pure awesomeness. You can contact Gene for great ministry coaching at Gene. I'm sorry, revtally at gmail.com. I gave out his personal email address there. <laughs> so, revtally at gmail.com. That's R-E-V-T-A-L-L-E-Y at gmail.com. Okay, so here we go with the airman wrap-up on his book uh, entitled How Jesus Became God. And I actually broke down and bought the book. Um, it is really, in my estimation, very different than the board. And in fact, I would say totally different than the interview he presented on Issues Etc. Um, just the flavor and the approach to the book is something completely different than what he presented, I thought. Um, and I don't know if this was a, some sort of promotional on the part of Ehrman, um, it certainly worked on me. It, it got me curious enough to go out and buy the book. Of course, I got all ramped up over the interview itself and kind of went that route with it and then kind of got myself into the quagmire of this whole thing and thought, well, you know what? If I'm going to really be fair, I need to go out, get the book, and read it. And so I did. And uh, before we get going too far here, let me just say I did get it on audiobook. I am a truck driver after all. So I sit around for hours and hours on end, um, driving and driving and driving some more, um, and then driving some more after that. And what I do while I'm driving to help pass the time is I listen to stuff. And so what I did is I got this on audiobook and listened to it uh, as best I could, and uh, got a, I got a real good idea of, of where Airman was trying to go. And since it's kind of written in a pop format, it was pretty easy to listen to on audiobook and get a real good grasp of where he was going, I, I think. So at any rate, I did that, and um, and it was different. It was very different uh, from what I thought it was going to be uh, based on his interview about it. Now, it did have some of the elements he talked about in the interview, but, but most of it was very focused, as he claims, on history. And that's what was good about it, I thought. it was. There's really, uh, when he gets into it, he starts talking about how the earliest Christians believed that uh, Jesus was God, and that he uh, that he also uh, rose from the dead, and how they started to develop their theology. He really gives a nice uh, survey of, of how that went through from uh, the the first century all the way through the fourth century, and even into today. So I thought that was fantastic, really good. Um, just it was very accurate and uh, showed that he did his research well on on the 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 history of Christian theology. So that was very good, and I enjoyed that. And if you want a good uh, survey 
of that sort of thing, that's not a bad one. He, he's pretty much dead on the mark with it. He doesn't give you a lot of interpretive uh, things going on there. He just reports on, okay, well, this is what this guy believed, this is what that guy believed, and they had a debate about it, and this guy won. Um, now, he does throw in a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, to the victor goes the spoils type of uh, historicity to it, um, and then the, everybody else gets thrown out. But um, but aside from that little bit of stuff in there, uh, you, you know, he, I thought he did a decent job with that. Um, pretty decent stuff, too, on, on culture surrounding the times of Jesus before and after, although, again, he does put some interpretive spin on some of that stuff that uh, that I wouldn't necessarily agree with, but does give you a real good idea of, of what people were thinking, what they were looking for, what the, what the whole concept of, of Messiah meant to the Jewish culture uh, at that time, and what it meant before, and, and, and what it means you know after the times of Jesus. So I thought he did a pretty decent job on, on some of that just, you know, uh, cold hard fact stuff so that you clearly can't mess around with. You know that the, the history just reports. I thought he did a good job reflecting a lot of that and kind of giving us a nice flyby over um, that that history. So all that to say that uh, you know I, I bought the uh, bought the book, did a blog post on this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna springboard off that a bit here and and talk about a, a couple of things that I learned. Uh, from Ehrman's book and, and, and uh, his discussion of the development uh, of the doctrine of the Trinity and the, the development of this idea of Jesus rising from the dead. Um, and the first thing that really caught my attention about Ehrman's book versus the interview, and, and again, I put this on my blog post, was that uh, that, that he uh, portrays the, the deity of Christ, particularly into the development of uh, the Godhead, as a development, Right? Rather than an evolution of understanding, he says, "Well, no." In other words, in other words, he says, "Well, no." Jesus never did claim to be God. I mean, he says that very explicitly in his book. Jesus never claimed to be God, based on the evidence that we have and what counts for history and doesn't count for, doesn't count as historical from from our uh, source documents, which are the Gospels. He admits that very clearly as well that there is really nothing else. Um, aside from the Gospels that we have as source documents, and and so he's developed the this what he talked about in the interview as rigorous criteria for de, for trying to determine what actually is historical and what isn't. Uh, and again, uh, this is something that was a little bit you know one of those deals that kind of made me raise my eyebrow to say, okay, this his approach, his quote rigorous criteria to get behind the Gospels as he puts it, is is really contentious stuff. And really not an area uh, of the historian, in my opinion. He really he brings in things to to say. Well, this is the historical Jesus, but but history really doesn't get done per se this way. Um, it, this this whole notion, this this whole this whole deal of uh, uh, this historical Jesus, and trying to find okay, what, what did Jesus really say, and what did he really not say, and what was added later, and so on and so forth. Um, this is a strange kind of history, in my opinion. It's it's not the normal, the status quo history of reporting. Okay, this is an event that happened. That's an event that happened um, that we can be sure of. Um, but it's it's more of a speculative type of history, at least in my opinion. But at, at any rate, in the interview, Doctor Ehrman is really claiming, you know, I'm I'm an, I'm a historian, you know, and I'm going to present things in an historical way. And it's curious to me as to really why he even had to go this route, 
and, and talk about the, de- the deity of Christ being a development rather than and what I would say an evolution of understanding. In other words, that Airman would say Jesus didn't claim to be Christ. Okay, based on his, based on the evidence that he's found, Jesus never claimed to be Christ. Okay, and so he's going to say this is a development. Whereas another person might come along and say, no, no, Jesus, we can trust the source documents, and Jesus did claim to be Christ, uh, claim to be God, and we just our understanding of Jesus as God took a long time to develop. All right, now neither one of those things, personally, I would say is history in the purest sense. It's really not. What I think Ehrman would have been better served to do is to say, well, um, you know, some some folks find that, that, this, that, that Jesus never claimed to be God and developed over a period of time this idea, and, and other people did believe he was God, and they just, they say that the, the thinking um, and the understanding evolved over these four centuries. Why couldn't you present it? That would have been a more... <laughs> Uh, accurate way, really, historically, to pre- pre- present the whole thing, because that's exactly what what really occurred. Uh, early in the 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th century, um, the people really did believe that Jesus was God, and their their belief in that evolved over time. Um, and if you want to look at it as a as a development, some people, that's, that's something that happened later on, you know, like in the era that Dr. Ehrman's in, in the past couple hundred years, the higher critics came along and said, no, no, Jesus, you know, we've got this evidence to show that everything we have in the Gospels can't be relied upon historically, so therefore, um, Jesus, based on that, Jesus never claimed to be God in any of that, so this uh, assignment of deity was, was developed for him, okay, so that, there's, a couple, there's a couple of competing views which I believe really more f- fully fall under the discipline of theology rather than history, and I, and I really... One of my points in my blog post was that the Dr. Ehrman would have been better served to present both. And I think that would have given his book a lot more credibility, in my opinion. Uh, now, I did learn some really good things from this book. Um, and that, that's, that's one thing, Christians. <laughs> um, don't be afraid to, to go out and pull something off the shelf at the Barnes & Noble or wherever. Go to the Amazon.com and buy something that isn't, quote, Christian per se. Okay, you can still learn things from 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 people who don't agree with you. That's that's a, and it's important that that uh, as Christians that we know what we believe, of course. But it's not a bad thing to go out and learn what somebody else believes. And believe it or not, when you go and look uh, I mean, with this book with, with from Dr. Ehrman, I, I really learned some things that that strengthen my understanding of my own faith. And not not because he not because he juxtaposed his beliefs against mine, but he, because he gave me some more information that helped me understand, uh, gave me some more evidence for the faith that I do have. Okay, so this is very good. This is what we should do, right? And so here's what I learned: um, Dr. Aaron talks about uh, the Messiah um, as, as you know in in the first century. Uh, and this is the best I can recall. Again, I'm recalling this from, from memory for the most part, because, again, I listened to it on audiobook, best I could do. <laughs> um, but best I can understand, uh, in the first century, the, the Jews were looking for this Messiah to come and sit on the throne of David, right? He would be a, a, a political leader, a, a, a really a strong military political type leader like King David was, and that, that they were going to wipe out all the the oppressors that were oppressing uh, people in in the world, and they were going to set up a good kingdom that where there wouldn't be any more pain or suffering, and that sort of thing. And I think this is true, right? Doctor Emmer presents it that way. 
But he also talks about when King David was anointed as king, right, by Samuel, and he eventually rose to, ascended to the throne, that the people would have looked at him and assigned some sort of divinity to him as king. And so therefore, while this may have been left behind or forgotten over time, originally, the Messiah, the king, would have had at least some degree of divinity assigned to him, if not a, a, a full attestation of being God. So, so the fact that, that Jesus was called the Christ is very significant, and I think lends weight toward the notion that the people alive in, in Jesus' time, following him, believed him to be God. And, and Jesus himself uh, called himself the Christ. And I, and I believe this does fall into the into some of the, the discourses in, uh, in in Dr. Ehrman's studies that, that actually come through as historical, where, where Jesus claims to be the Messiah. Okay, and now while... He's right. You can't really say for sure that, that Jesus in the first century would have looked at himself this way. Um, it's at least plausible that there would have been um, a, a degree of divinity assigned to Jesus, if, if not m- much more. Okay, And that's where I say, okay, f- fine. Okay, Dr. Ehrman will at least admit that there might be you know, some of this uh, divinity assigned to Jesus. Um, in, in some way, shape, or form. But we really don't know for sure. Well, I'm going to go ahead and take it a step further and say, well, I, I think the Gospels are reliable as, uh, as, as eyewitness testimony and, and say, okay, yeah, he's claiming to be a Messiah and a whole lot. And, and here's how he's defining that. He's saying that the, the divinity piece of Messiah is really, it's really there. Okay, so, so that was something else I learned. It really didn't... Um, really didn't uh, Understand or, or I'd forgotten or something, but but it was but that was a real interesting thing to learn is is this whole uh, uh, lineage from King David all the way down to Jesus and and the concept of Messiah as King and the King as God. So that was some good information. The other thing that Dr. Aaron brought up was were these um, very early creedal formulations in the New Testament, particularly Philippians two. Um, he brings up and Philippians two goes like this: Have this mind among yourselves, which is which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed him bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the, at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of, the, of God the Father So now what Ehrman says is this is a pre-Pauline creed and that actually Paul is borrowing this Okay, and, and Paul actually writing very early using this creed um, would place this concept of, of divinity and this is pretty clear <laughs> Uh, idea of of Jesus being God, uh, right here in Philippians. This it places even as early as ten years or so after after the death of Christ. So it's really interesting that Aaron brings this up, and um, really interesting that he actually in his book Aaron Aaron is pushing this understanding of Jesus being God 
back earlier than most high critical, higher critical scholars really would push it back. He's pushing it way back there, right, right to around the time of Jesus, and, and would even say, I think, if I'm if I'm understanding him correctly, even say even the term Messiah would have some connotations of divinity. So he's really pushing this concept way back to the earliest Christians. Although he would still say it's a development. He would still say, no, no, Jesus didn't actually claim to be. You know, the God, the way we think of it, obviously. Um, he may have thought himself to be divine in some way, but he wouldn't have thought Jesus would have not would not have spoken of himself and did not speak of himself, Airman would say, as God the way we think of him. Um, and while I disagree with that, it's interesting that Airman is really pushing this concept way back to even maybe even the times of Christ. So um so that's really interesting, and and again, for me, uh, you know, the earlier I can see uh, things like this, like the divinity of Christ happening, the more authentic they seem to be. Not seem to be, the, they really that's 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 the whole key with the with the historian is finding stuff as close to the time, finding uh, source material as close to the time as you possibly can. That's going to more likely explain what what was going on, and so something that was you know even ten years or so after. Uh, the death of Christ, talking about him as God, is pretty, pretty good evidence that that uh, we've got it right, in my opinion. And again, Aaron would say, "No, no, you don't have it right. Um, this still developed. Jesus didn't ever claim to be God." Um, but again, it seems like the evidence is starting to kind of, kind of press in around this notion that this was a very uh, early concept, and in fact, was was something that Jesus would have understood of himself. Um, in in a broader sense than I think Dr. Ammon is is willing to admit, but anyway that that piece those those uh, pre Pauline creeds there's and there's a couple of them and and I think Philippians is the best example but uh, there's a couple couple of them in Paul's writings that you can point to that that he took and used that was written before he wrote his epistles and again uh, I, I would say in a broad very broad sense the the academic community, whether liberal or conservative, all are going to put Paul's writings as some of the earliest um, Christian literature. And then to say that Paul was using stuff even that was even earlier uh, than his writings is pretty remarkable. So I thought that was great. So those couple of, those couple of pieces there really were helpful uh, to me to, to really bolster my faith, quite honestly, and think, oh, okay, well, wow, you know, um, the Jews at some point would have thought as their Messiah, as, as some, as... Uh, have, as possessing some amount of divinity, at least, um, and then also these these pre these pre Pauline creeds. Um, and again, I've, it's been a while since I've been in school, so half the stuff maybe I've learned I've forgotten. Another couple of pieces of information, if I ever learned them, maybe I just forgot. I probably did at some point, but it doesn't matter. It was it was good to have the refresher. And uh, I appreciated uh, Dr. Ehrman in, in doing that research and kind of uh, wading through some of that stuff and doing that detective work to figure out, you know, hey, there's here's some stuff that is way early, you know, talking, you know, just a few years, maybe even just a decade after the death of Christ. That's pretty that's pretty compelling, and I appreciated that about about his research there. Okay, so what else? That was kind of from the blog post, kind of rehashing that blog post. Um, let's talk about uh, the resurrection and the historian. And this is where I start to have problems with Dr. Ehrman um, in the sense of, of how he's saying history needs to be done. Okay, He, he might say something like, um, historians can only report on what happened. 
they aren't allowed to invoke a miracle to explain the events. Now, initially I had major problems. I was like, well, if a miracle happened, then you should report it. Okay, well, here's the deal. This is a pro problematic statement for, for a few reasons. Um, and, and I think Ehrman misspeaks here. I really do. Because historians are, not only are they not allowed to invoke miracle to explain, they're not allowed to explain at all, really. All they're supposed to do is, based on the evidence, makes, make a judgment call that event A actually occurred or event B actually occurred based on the evidence. What they can't say is why an event occurred. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Not only are they not allowed to invoke miracle to explain the events, they're not supposed to explain the events. They're just supposed to report the events. That's what historian, that's what history is, right? Okay, this happened. We're reporting on There's no interpretive value here whatsoever. So, for, for example, take the resurrection. Okay? Say, and let's say I'm, an, I'm a historian. I'm not. But let's say that I am for a second. Let's pretend. Um, I find that in my research, there is enough evidence to show that a Galilean Jew named Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead. All right. I find that there's enough historical evidence to show that those two events occurred. He was crucified and he rose from the dead. Now, one's a very natural event. <laughs> one's a very unnatural event. Um, but the point is is that even though this is not even though even though the crucifixion is a natural event and the raising from the dead is not a natural event um i still find uh, based on the the eyewitness testimony or the the best resources i have available to me that hey this event most likely happened it was most likely that jesus was crucified and based on the evidence even though it's unnatural that this other event uh him rising from the dead actually happened as well, all my source documents point to this. All my evidence. Now, these are two events: the the dying and the raising from the dead. Now, what am I? That's as a historian, it's perfectly acceptable for me to report this to say that. Well, look, you know, based on the evidence, this is what I found: that these two events more than likely occurred. What I can't do is place some explanatory value on the events. Right, this is where you get into trouble, and I think where Dr. Ehrman's explanation of of an historian falling short, saying that oh well, they can't invoke miracle to explain events. Well, right, they can't do that, but they also can't explain the events at all. <laughs> and and this is where I think Dr. Ehrman gets into some trouble because I think he tries to explain the events a little bit in his book. Um, he certainly um, certainly uh, hints at that in the not hints at that. He says that in the interview. Um, you know, he's got an explanation for the events. And his explanation is they didn't actually occur; they were uh, mass delusions. Okay, and he talks a lot about mass visions in his book and how that's this is something that uh, that goes on today. Like people see these mass uh, in mass see these visions of Mary. He brings this up in his book, right? And there's a lot of witnesses that say, "Yeah, we saw the Virgin Mary appear uh, to us for an extended period of time." Now, again, what if, if I'm a newspaper reporter, what can I do with this? Well, what I can do is report on what the witnesses said they saw. What I can't do is say, oh, it must, must have been Mary. It must have been a miracle. Oh, it must have been a mass delusion, see? I can't place that 
explanatory value on it. All I can do is report on it. Okay? I can't say of the resurrection, oh, God must have done a miracle. As a historian, I can't say that. Okay? Now, don't panic yet, Christians. <laughs> I'm, I believe God did raise Jesus from the dead and did a miracle. I believe that. Okay? But I'm going to talk about that in a second when I talk about faith. Okay? But as an historian, Aaron is right. I cannot say that. I cannot say that God must have done a miracle. He's right on that account. I can't say, oh, Jesus must have had a near-death experience, which Aaron actually hints at in the book. He says that, you know, it might have been possible that Jesus, I mean, a lot of people have near-death experiences this day, these days. You know, people die and they come back to life. That's true. People are clinically dead, brain dead, their heart stops, and the doctor hits them with the paddles and they come back to life. They have a near-death experience. But I can't say that because you don't know. <laughs> You don't you don't know what happened. All you know is the event occurred. All you know is that this one they said Jesus came back from that's all you can say. Alright? You can't say that he was suing. This is an old this is an old argument that people bring out. You can't say, Oh, he was faking it and that you know, they put him in the tomb and then they patched him up and he came out like no no. Yeah. You, you can't put that interpretive um, you're speculating. Okay. That's not history, that's speculation. Right? You can't say it's a miracle. You can't say it's a near-death experience. You can't say he was swooning. That's all speculative. What you can say is, based on the evidence, this man who was dead came back to life. We don't know how. We don't know why. But these are the events. Okay? And that's what you can say, based on the evidence, is that these things happen. And then you leave it to the theologians to interpret it. Which is exactly what happened in history, right? They came along and said, oh my goodness, this man rose from the dead. And now wait a minute, wait a second. Didn't this guy, you know, he said he was the Messiah. And then he also said, you know, I'm the son of God, I'm the son of man. And then a couple of places he really said, I, you know, I, before Abraham I was, I am. He said these things, and now he's rose from the dead. Now what, what does this all mean? Okay, that's where you get into theology, right? And they, in, you know, the, the apostles, the early apostles, the early Christians, Started to put interpretive value on these things, but their interpretive value is not history per se. I mean, that those events when they started to put interpret the events in Christ's life um, and started writing them down, such as the gospel writers um, did in some in some senses. They they report in my estimation they reported both on history and also um, did some interpretive work, especially Paul. Paul is the theologian. He puts the interpretation on um, on the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. Like uh, like my I don't know, not my buddy, but the guy this guy I like to listen to Chris Roseboro. He he says um, essentially if you if you were at the crucifixion and you saw what was happening, you would just be seeing the event, right? You'd be saying, okay, here's this guy getting crucified. You know, it says King of the Jews above his head, so he must have you know he must have tried to snatched some power that didn't belong to him and he, and he got what was coming to him you know that that would be about as far as you could go with it okay if you were just walking by that day so oh, well there's a man being crucified you know you don't know why you don't know anything else behind it that's why Paul has to come along later and and interpret these things right and, and, and that's what happened that's that's exactly what happened you would leave it to the theologians to interpret these things the historians no they don't put interpretive value on it. And really, if you look at the Gospels, aside from John, okay, aside from John, which is very thick with theology, I'll admit, uh, but again, I, I still, I still uh, find, I still believe that the evidence is there, and that's a whole other can of worms to, uh, to assign historical value 
to John in a historical narrative, eyewitness narrative, in fact. Again, whole other can of worms. But but aside from John, the Synoptic Gospels um, really don't offer a lot of interpretation. They leave the interpretation up to the theologians to come along later, like Paul. Okay. Which is good. So that, that makes them, you know, more or less good historians. They're just, hey, this happened. Don't know what it means, but this happened. Jesus said this. I mean, don't know, not entirely sure what it, oh, in this, this sentence, he interpreted himself. We, so we can say for sure that's what it meant. But other than that, we can't say anything else. Okay, that's what historians do. They don't assign meaning to things. And that's where I think Ehrman struggles a bit, quite honestly, in this book. He's, he's trying to assign some meaning to, to things uh, and some implication to things that, that an, an historian would not do. Okay, it's not pure history here we're, we're talking about, as you would indicate in the book and in, in the interview. So, so anyway, that's what I, where I, I, I uh, landed on that point. Right. So just a minute ago, I talked about you know hold on, don't panic. You know about but when I when I mentioned you know uh, that that Jesus the event of Jesus rising from the dead. Okay, the evidence points to that, but I can't say oh God must have done a miracle as a as an historian. See, this is something Aramo points out. And again, I think he limits the role of the historian to say, oh, you can't invoke miracle to explain something. <laughs> no, you can't invoke anything to explain something. That's not your job as an, as, as an historian. Your job is not to interpret. Your job is to report. That's it. Right? So Ehrman, um, in the book, does point this out to say that, okay, we can't use, as a historian, we can't say that, okay, even if we find that the evidence points to this event of Jesus Christ. We can't say God did a miracle. And he's right about this. Okay? Now listen to me carefully. Because this is important. It's very important. At one point in the book, and I think this is dead on the mark, Dr. Ehrman wonders why Christians are hell-bent on, quote, proving that God raised Jesus from the dead. This part, he says, is a matter of faith. And he's absolutely correct. We might have all the facts we need to to demonstrate that certain events might point to something miraculous happening. But at the end of the day, the Christian religion is a religion of faith and belief. Right, folks? We cannot deny this. It's all over the scripture. I mean, it doesn't say by knowledge we are saved. It does not say this in Ephesians. It says by faith we are saved. That is not from ourselves. That is a gift of God. So none of us can boast. listening to God Still Speaks Through Jackasses. We'd love to hear from you. Please email us at discussion at godstillspeaksthroughjackasses.org Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash godstillspeaksthroughjackasses and follow us on Twitter. Our handle there is at JesusJackass. Please rate and review the cast on Stitcher and iTunes. That helps us quite a bit there as it gets us a little higher on the playlist with those folks and tell your friends about the cast, especially if you're a little shy about sharing the gospel. Plus that your friends will laugh when they hear you say God still speaks through jackasses. I may fold their brow, deep and furrow brow.
All third-party material is used under the authority of the Copyright Act of 1976, 17, Section 107, Fair Use. Fall, 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 fall,